Uh, you can see <clears throat> from the, the title of the lesson this morning, we're going to look at uh, the fear of the Lord. And this is uh, for Christians and really for all humanity. Uh, this is a topic that is, is essential. It's, uh, I feel, very worthwhile. And, and again, it's something that if you, if you don't have this, uh, there's really no way you're going to be able to be uh, faithful to God. And so, again, this is, this is a kind of a fundamental topic for us to look at and consider uh, and to be reminded of. I know uh, most everybody in the room here uh, this morning is a Christian, and uh, you don't end up being a Christian without having this uh, or some of this, but sometimes... Uh, our fear of the Lord may kind of ebb and flow a little bit, and, and, and we may need to be reminded of this or, or uh, consider this and evaluate our own selves in, in thinking about do we have um, a proper sense or a proper fear of God. Uh, it's, again, I would say uh, probably one of the most important fundamental things for anybody uh, who, who wants to be faithful to God, and that's what... Uh, the proverb writer uh, Solomon tells us there in Proverbs, starting in the first chapter, says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that's a, that verse 7 is something that I know we've all heard and are familiar with that verse, but again, I, I think uh, it's, it's really one of those fundamental uh, things that we have to, to be very solid on and, and uh, be sure that we have the proper fear of the Lord. It, it's really a, a thread from beginning to end of scriptures, isn't it? It's something we see uh, that people who are faithful to God have to have. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about a little bit of what that is, but, but at its core level, you know, having this fear of God is really what? It's a perspective or a mindset about God. Uh, it's what our thoughts are about Him and about ourselves compared to Him and where we fall in that relationship and, and how we are uh, to uh, interact with Him. Uh, and again, uh, in the Scriptures, it's, it's really from the very beginning all the way through the entire Scriptures, we see this idea of the fear of the Lord. Uh, just a few verses that, that talk about this. And if you were to look this this topic or, or phrase up in a concordance. I mean, it is just a stack of verses that talk about this throughout scriptures. But I've got a few of them here. Psalms chapter 33 and verse 8 it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. And, you know, that's really where it starts is realizing that uh, we are nothing compared to uh, Jehovah God, that He's the one who created everything. Later on in that chapter, verses 18 and 19, says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love, that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. And so, <clears throat> and we see 
from that verse and, and many other verses that uh, God uh, favors those or, or his, his eye, it's towards those who fear him. Uh, and so again, I think if that's the side you want to be on, you have to have uh, this proper fear for God. In Proverbs chapter 3, <coughs> it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make, your stri- make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And then again in Ecclesiastes, another verse that we're uh, very familiar with says, <coughs> The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, y'all going to have to just bear with that. And so, again, these are just a few of the verses that, that we see uh, talking about the fear of God. And, and there's many, many more, but they all paint the same picture. This necessary uh, fear or respect or reverence for God uh, if, if one is to be found... Uh, pleasing to him and and if we are to expect to receive the the promises that he's made to us and so in thinking about that what does uh, the fear of God mean you know in a practical sense Uh, what are we talking about is it a a trembling fear where we're we're frightened and and trembling afraid of God yeah it is is it a is it a reverence or respect for God is that too as in an understanding of he's the creator and that I'm the created. It, it, it's that it, it's a multifaceted concept uh, that, that encompasses all of those things. Um, <coughs> if, you, if you were to look up in Vines, uh, there, there was a, a, a lot in Vines about what the fear of God is or the fear of the Lord is. Um, I kind of plucked out some of it, uh, but... You know, for what we're talking about today, uh, it says a, rever- a reverential fear of God as a controlling motive of the life in matters spiritual and moral, uh, not just a mere fear of His power. So it's not just a trembling, I'm afraid of God fear, right? It's more to that. It's a, it's a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. If we, if we have the proper fear for the Lord, we want to do the things that please Him. We don't want to displease him. Uh, It's a fear which banishes the terror that shrinks from his presence and which influences the disposition and attitude of one whose circumstances are guided by trust in God. And so that last part of that phrase, I think, is is where we really have to be sure we're checking ourselves and being sure that we have the proper fear of God or fear of the Lord. Uh, that, That fear should influence our disposition and attitude uh, and, and how we act towards God, towards His commandments, uh, towards His people, uh, so on and so forth. And so, again, it's very essential in serving Him. <clears throat> also, uh, another part of the fear of the Lord uh, from Vines. In the New Testament, uh, there's a few verses that talk about uh, the fear of Christ uh, in the epistles. And 
and this is a comprehensive phrase about the reverential fear of God that will inspire a constant carefulness in dealing with others in his fear. So uh, in considering this idea of the fear of God or, or the fear of Christ, one thing that comes with it is a certain amount of cautiousness, right? Uh, we're cautious or careful in the things that we do and in uh, how we serve him because, again, what are we wanting to do? We're wanting to be sure we are pleasing to him. And so we're going to be cautious or careful in the things that we do uh, so that uh, we are pleasing him. <clears throat> and so that was uh, that was really what <clears throat> Vines had to say about it. What do the scriptures show us? That's the same principle. Uh, we see this idea of frightfulness, of, of true trembling fear of God in scriptures. We see uh, reverence of God. We see respect. We see awe. We see, we see those things that we've been talking about uh, that were in the definition of vines. That, that's what the scriptures paint to us as a picture of the proper fear of the Lord. Uh, we have commandments that tell us to fear the Lord. Uh, we have examples of people fearing the Lord and having the proper fear for God uh, and, and acting from uh, that proper fear. And we have examples of people not having it. Uh, and we can see what that leads to. Uh, and so we're going to look at some of those verses. Uh, but think about from the very beginning, <clears throat> the fear of the, God, of, of the Lord. Think about Adam and Eve after they had sinned and they realized... Uh, that they uh, were naked. And what did they do? They hid themselves because they were afraid. Uh, that, that's their words that they used. Uh, they realized they were naked uh, and they were afraid of God. Uh, and so right there at the very beginning, we see this idea of the fear of God. And, you know, I think that's more than just a trembling fear. I think it's a, a realizing that they were displeasing to God. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11... Uh, and so if, we, if you say the first time we see this is with Adam and Eve in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, we're told that by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household and by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith and so um, Again, early in the Bible story, we've got Noah and, and the Hebrew writer here telling us it was because of his reverent fear towards God uh, that he obeyed the Word of God, that he, he moved forward with building the ark and doing those things that God had told him to. Uh, and because he had that fear, because that fear motivated him to do that, um, <coughs> he saved his household and uh, condemned the world. So we had Adam and Eve, we've got Noah, uh, and then as you continue moving through the Bible story, we see the Israelites. Um, <coughs> if you want to turn, this was too long to put on the, on the PowerPoint. If you turn to Exodus chapter 19, again this is a familiar story. Exodus chapter 19, uh, verses 16 through 20. Let me get to Exodus. And this is the Israelites. Uh, they've come out of Egypt. Uh, and, the, and they're coming to Mount Sinai. It says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning 
that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And so, if you look in the next chapter here, we see that trembling fear, right, from the Israelites, just in sheer awe of God's power and, and the thunderings and the lightnings and the the the. I don't severity of God that He's displaying there on the mountain, uh, and you can see their reaction in chapter twenty, also starting in verse eighteen. It says, "Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die.' And so." <clears throat> and Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. And so, again, we see, uh, I think, at least a couple of these different aspects of the fear of the Lord. The, the trembling, afraid uh, part of it. And then also that, that last part, uh, what was God doing? He was testing them to see if they had the proper fear and the proper reverence for him uh, in doing that. And, and so, again, I think we can see these different parts of what it means to have uh, the right kind of fear for God. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, in giving uh, the law to the Israelite nation, says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways, to love Him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And so, again, just a, a direct command there, right? Uh, what does the Lord God require of you but to fear the Lord your God uh, and, and to walk in His ways? And so this idea of fearing God uh, translates in to... Uh, walking in his ways or not walking in his ways. And again, this is a constant uh, thread, I believe, throughout Scripture from beginning to end. <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 20, I believe we can get a glimpse. And, and there's, I didn't go a whole lot into uh, examples of, of folks not having the right kind of fear uh, for God. You could... You can see that throughout uh, the Old Testament in the story of the Israelites and, and in some other stories. But um, one thing I did notice in Genesis chapter 20, verse 11, uh, and Abraham, when he went into that place, this is one of the times when he, when he told a lie about Sarah being his sister. Uh, but it, he says, Abraham said, I did, it, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. And so... Um, it's one thing to note there that Abraham knew uh, that if you're somewhere where there's no fear of God, no respect for God, no respect for His laws, um, then His will is not going to be followed. And, and there's, there's, you know, back in the definition we looked at, uh, part of it was how it directs our spiritual and moral, or and moral life. 
Uh, and I think Abraham in that statement shows that you know he understood that, that if you're somewhere where there's no fear for God, uh, you're in a place where you can't count on people doing God's will or, or doing things that are right. And, and that's still true today. If, if you're in a place where there's no fear for God, no respect for God, then His laws are not going to be important uh, to them. A couple of passages. Uh, again, examples. This is of the Israelites not having uh, the proper fear for the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 2, <clears throat> says, Have you not brought this upon yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way? And now what do you what do you gain by going to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Or what do you gain by going to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will repro reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree you bowed down like a whore. And so there's God through Jeremiah telling these Israelite, the Israelite nation there, the fear of me is not in you. And, and how is he showing them that? He's showing them that or he knows that because they haven't been following his ways. Um, in Jeremiah 5, uh, we get the same thing. It says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as a boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart, They've turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. And so, you know, over and over again, God, through Jeremiah, pointing to the Israelites, saying, You know, your problem is you don't fear me. You don't have respect for me. Uh, you're, you're stubborn and rebellious in heart. You don't want to do my will because you don't have fear for me. And, um, again, that, that story is over and over again uh, through the Old Testament uh, of a group of people who don't have the proper fear for God. <clears throat> As you move into the New Testament, uh, you see the same things about the fear of the Lord. Um, one example that I thought of uh, for someone who didn't have the fear of the Lord and what that may look like is, is one of the thieves on the cross. As Jesus and the, the two thieves are hanging there, one of them uh, in Luke chapter 23 says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And so what you've got the two thieves there. One fears God and his situation, and one doesn't. One is basically turning his nose up at the situation, not realizing uh, that you know, this fear for God is the only thing that could have saved him at this time. Um, and you know, Romans chapter 11 is another example of a, of a 
place in the New Testament where we see that Christians need to have uh, this right kind of fear. This is Paul talking uh, to the Romans and, and, and trying to tell them you know, about Israel and how Israel had uh-oh, lost, the, uh, lost the promise but, but still had a chance to, to gain that. It says, Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, <coughs> provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And so in the middle of that passage, we see Paul telling them there, don't become proud, don't think you're the one that's doing good and, and look at them uh, in a bad way. He says, don't become proud, but fear. And so uh, one of the... One of the symptoms of not having the proper fear for God is pride or haughtiness and, and uh, thinking more of yourself than you should, right? That, that proper fear helps us to, to put away that pride, to put away that haughtiness, and to realize our place uh, compared to God and our place compared to others. Uh, again, not having the fear of God or the fear of the Lord uh, can result in disobedience. That's these examples we've been looking at. That's what we see. We see that these people who didn't have the fear of God could res- they were disobedient, uh, haughtiness or pride. They were unfaithful, rebellious. Um, there's examples of, of a lack of carefulness in following God's uh, laws, and and all of that uh, really boils down to just a total derailment. When we don't have the proper fear for the Lord. We're just going to be totally derailed from what God wants us to be doing. We're going to miss the mark, and we're not going to uh, do those things He expects of us. <clears throat> Again, to the Israelites, it was a commandment, uh, just like we see in the in the New Testament for Christians today. But it says, "You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him, and His commandments." Fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. And so that's when they were given the law. And then Joshua, when they're going in to conquer the nation, uh, after all of those battles and all of that success that they've had, says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And so... In Joshua's encouragement there to the Israelites to fear the Lord. In Job uh, chapter 4 and verse 6, this is just a kind of a snapshot verse uh, that I pulled out. One of Job's friends coming to him, talking to him, uh, says, Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? And and really that that statement applies uh, for us today as well. You know, if... Our fear of God is our confidence. If we have the proper fear for God, we're submitting to Him, we're following His ways, uh, doing the things that He tells us to do, uh, then that, that is our confidence that those promises He's made to us, uh, He keeps. And uh, again, in the book of Psalms, I think David, really throughout David's life, but 
you can see it throughout the Psalms, uh, this fear that David had for God. And, and he really seemed to have a good grasp of the proper fear uh, of God. So, in the New Testament, for us today as Christians, uh, it's, it's still just as essential as it was for the Israelites, as it was for Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, you know, all of the people in the Old Testament. It's the same for us today. Uh, Jesus taught this and he lived it in his life. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 and in, in Luke chapter 12, uh, it's the same instance there. We'll just read in Luke. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Uh, and, and Jesus, again, teaching this principle of realizing who God is uh, and, and having the proper fear, reverence, and respect for God uh, because of who he is and because of what he uh, can do. <coughs> The apostles, uh, just as you would expect, they taught this same principle and lived uh, in this same way. In Acts chapter 10, we've got Peter making a statement here. Says uh, This is as he's uh, talking to Cornelius uh, and, and, and preaching the gospel to the, to the Gentiles. It says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so, again, this principle of fearing God and doing what is right is acceptable. That's, that's what God wants. Uh, and then Paul, through the epistles uh, there in Ephesians and Philippians, it's, Ephesians it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because of who Christ is, because of our reverence and respect for Christ as our King and as our Savior, uh, we are to submit to one another. And, and there's the verses prior to that, you know, there's a whole lot of other things we're to do as well. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? With fear and trembling. Uh, and so, again, I think that verse... Uh, probably more than, than these other verses, that verse really shows us the necessity of having this fear for God, this reverence for God, this respect for Him and for uh, His commandments and for what He wants us to be doing. Uh, we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should esteem to have failed to reach it. And so, uh, here we see this concept of fear being a motivating factor, right? Uh, it says, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And so, what, is, what does this proper fear do for us sometimes? It helps keep the right perspective. It helps us to keep our life in check, to examine ourselves, be sure we're doing uh, the will of God and the things that he tells us to do, uh, because we don't want to be uh, ones who have failed to reach uh, the promises that he's made for us. 
And in Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so here we see this idea of being grateful for what God has done for us uh, and that as we worship God, we're to worship Him with reverence and with awe. And, and the reason behind that is not only what He has done for us, but the realization that He's a consuming fire. He is the Creator. He has the one uh, who made us, who made this world. He's the one who has the power to destroy us, to destroy this world. Uh, and, and we have to keep all of those things in perspective as we serve Him. I think we've got just a few more passages. Um, and Peter, <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1. Uh, Peter uh, really seems to have a, a good grasp of this fear of, of the Lord. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each, one de each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And so, in verse 17, if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. What is Peter saying there? He's saying the life that a Christian lives has to have this fear, this underlying reverence for God, respect for God, the proper fear of the Lord, uh, if we're going to be able to serve Him in the right way. And, and that's what Peter's saying there, uh, that we have to have that uh, and live uh, with that within us. And Second Peter chapter 3 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are to be thus be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting on and hastening for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to His promise, which... We are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And so the, the phrase of fear, the, uh, Peter doesn't say here, you know, live with the fear of the Lord, but the concept, that underlying concept is built into what he's saying. You know, he's talking about the judgment and the power that God has to be able to destroy this world, the fact that God will come and judge the world. And, and he's saying, since we know these things, what kind of people should you be? He says you ought to be people who live lives of holiness and godliness. Uh, you're waiting on that day because you're living in the right way. And you should be diligent, in verse 14, uh, to be found 
in him without spot or blemish and at peace. So again, I think to be able to live that way, we have to have uh, the proper fear of God. <clears throat> um, a few passages I wanted to read uh, right at the end uh, this morning in Job. And I don't know if y'all read these in class or not. Angela said, kind of had to move through Job pretty quick this morning. But these passages have always stood out to me. And, and you know, there's three or four chapters here towards the end of Job um, that really put Job in his place. And, and as we read them, should really put us in our places realizing who we are compared to God and, and what our attitude towards Him should be, what our proper fear towards Him should be. And I just wanted to read a few of those passages. not going to read uh, all of the chapters, but I wanted to read a few and, and just uh, kind of end with that. Chapter 38, starting in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with its... <clears throat> who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb. When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. Again, you can, you can continue reading on. Uh, we're not going to read all of it, but over and over, what is, Job, what is God saying to Job? He's basically saying, you know, who do you think you are? I'm the one that made all of this. Uh, I'm the one who created all of this. And, and he's getting that point across to Job. If you, if you flip over to chapter 40, starting in verse 1, uh, it says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. So Job is realizing what God is telling him there. He's realizing he's gone too far in what he's been saying about God. So verse 6, The Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like His? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor, and array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath, and look on everyone who's proud and humble him. Look on everyone who's proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place, and hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. And then I will also confess to you that your own right hand can save you. Again, God there 
still rebuking Job or getting on to Job, trying to get him to see his perspective has been wrong. Uh, the, the thoughts that he's been having towards God have not been right, and, and he's putting Job in his place. And in chapter 42, uh, starting in verse 1, <clears throat> it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so, you know, after after all of this, after two or three uh, chapters of God telling Job, you know, all of these things I've done, I'm the creator, I'm the one who does these things. Uh, Job humbles himself and repents of, of the attitude that he has. And, you know, I think, Oftentimes, as we live our lives, uh, you know, Job is portrayed in the book of Job as a righteous man, and he was a righteous man. That's why those things happened to him, because God held him up to, to Satan and said, look at my servant Job at how, how righteous of a man he is. Uh, even, even us today, when we are doing those things that are right, uh, when we're trying to do uh, God's will, we can lose perspective, and we can, we can lose having the proper fear of God, just like Job did. And, and so it's something that we have to, to constantly uh, check ourselves of and, and realize our place uh, compared to Him and our place as, as really just humble servants of God. Uh, and so that, that's really the point of our lesson this morning, uh, that I wanted us to be reminded of that and to always know uh, that we should examine ourselves and, and check ourselves to be sure we have the proper fear for the Lord. Again, I believe um, you know, just about everybody here this morning is a Christian, uh, and so you don't end up submitting to God. Uh, you don't end up coming to Him, realizing you need Him, you need the blood of His Son for the remission of your sins, unless you have some fear for God, some realization that He's the one that has the power to condemn you or the one who has the power to save you. And so... Again, I think everyone here uh, has uh, done that and has had that proper fear. Uh, but as we live our lives, sometimes we lose that. And sometimes we, we, we can falter in that and we need to be encouraged or we need to examine ourselves uh, to do better in that. And, and certainly we uh, encourage anyone here today uh, who may be struggling with that or realizes that they have not had the proper fear for God that they should to, to let that be known and uh, to seek encouragement from your brethren here. Uh, we can pray with you and pray for you uh, and, and help you with whatever need you may have as you come, as we stand and sing.